So I need to imagine something. Uh, you've been in, obviously, church, you're, you're in church now, but imagine just kind of in, what, an hour, an hour or so, maybe uh, an hour and a half or so, uh, we finished kind of our bit here, uh, you've had some cake and you've had some drinks, the kids have had their tea, you've chatted with everyone that you want to chat with, and it's time to go home. So you, you walk out the door, back into the, into the sunshine of the car park, you get in your car and it's boiling, so you have to wind the window down, well, press the button, wind the window down, and you sat there and you think, well, I haven't checked my email in a couple of hours, so you just get your phone out, sat in your car, checking your emails, and then you think, well, it's a Sunday night, I ain't going to cook dinner. You find your Domino's app, and you're there, uh, <laughs> true story, no, you're there, and, you, and, you just, and you're trying to decide, well, you know, what do I have on my pizza? Do I go big? Do I go kind of little in a bit? Do I have size? You know, all the different issues that you have when you choose a uh, Domino's pizza. Other pizzas are available. Um, and just at that moment, uh, you hear two people talking. Um, and they're talking about you. Now, they don't know you're in the car, but your window's open, but you can hear every word they say, and you know they're talking about you. Now, I wonder, what, what would you like them to be saying? Like, what do you hope they'll be saying about you? Well, she's just really kind. I love how kind she is. And do you see what she's wearing today? Well, I could, it's so, I could never wear things like that. Just so effortlessly cool. Well, he's, he's just, oh, just a great guy, isn't he? He knows his Bible really well. Uh, did you see how many things he carried back to the church van? Just incredibly strong. Um, at that point, the dominoes goes away, right? You're not that interested in a pitch anymore. You're just fixed on these two people talking, aren't you? You're like, oh, hello, hello, this is a good conversation. But kind of flip it a little bit. What about that same situation? You hear two people talking about you. What are you, what are you fearful for what they're going to say about you? Like, what, are you, what do you don't want them to say about you? Well, she's a bit moody. He's, he's just a little bit of an idiot, isn't he? He's a little bit thick. Um... Lots of things kind of in that, you know, what do you hope they're going to say about you? What do you uh, hope they don't say about you? Essentially, what we're asking is, um, what's your reputation? Or like, what do, you, what do you hope your reputation is within kind of your friendship circle, maybe here, maybe in work? What do, you, what do people think about you? What are you known for? Or what do you hope you're known for? I think everyone probably has some kind of reputation, and that's fine. Um, but what, it, what is yours? What, what are you known for? As Peter said in the beginning, we're, we're going through a series in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, um, looking at some letters uh, written by, by John, who um, Jesus appeared to and, and dictated these letters to. And we're at a letter in Revelation chapter 3, a letter to a place, to some Christians in a place called Sardis. Now, the Christians in Sardis had made a name for themselves. They had a reputation, and it was a good reputation. In fact, it was a brilliant reputation in many ways. They were known, their reputation, they had a name for being alive. They were active, they were well-known, they were well-liked. Everything that you'd want a church to be, actually, I think everything that we'd want Chippenham, uh, Trinity Chippenham to be, well-known, well-liked, and then one Sunday in Sardis, in this place in Turkey, a letter arrived from John, the John, the apostle, one of Jesus' closest friends, maybe even Jesus' best friend when he was here with his disciples. 
And this letter arrived and they would have opened it and started from the beginning. Obviously, it's a good place to start. That's what I hear. And they would have gone through this letter and they would have read from the beginning about how John on one Sunday was floored by this uh, revelation, this vision of Jesus. Jesus as, as the Son of Man, described in powerful terms, power, terms of, of authority and power, but also of care, of knowing his people. And they would have read through this experience of John, and they would have got to chapter 2, where the letters started. So Jesus dictated these letters to a load of these churches in, um, in Turkey. And they would have read each one out loud with, with real interest. Uh, and we've seen some of those this week, and they would have been, oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, I know that church, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a fair thing to say about them, Jesus. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And eventually they would have got to themselves. They, they would have got to the church uh, that, that they were in, in Sardis. And I think then the phones go down, the apps go away, and they sit up and they think, ooh, okay, time for us now. To the church in Sardis. Hey, that's us. Let's look at what they're going to say. So they keep reading the letter. And it says, dear Sardis, dear Christians in Sardis, and they're listening carefully. And Jesus says, I know your works. Great. Great. We are, we are doing so much. And Jesus knows what we're doing. Isn't that cool? Good. I'm, I'm glad he knows what we're doing. Because, you know, everyone says we're good. And we are, you know, we're doing lots of things in the community. Great. Carry on the letter. Sorry to interrupt you. Okay, carry on. You have the reputation of being alive. Well, yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. If you know one thing about us, you'll know that. Everyone likes us. We're good in the community. That's what we're known for. Okay, carry on the letter, please. Okay, but you're dead. Sorry, what? But we're dead? So have a look. Revelation 3, it's in the church Bible. It's on page 1029. Revelation chapter 3. Let me just read the first verse. To the angel of the church in Sardis, kind of the church leaders, of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. We'll explain that in a second. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. The city of Sardis had a church that ticks all the boxes. Every box that you can imagine a church needs to tick, they ticked every single one except one, which was the most important they were active, they were well-liked, they were well-known, they were alive, but actually they weren't. That's what Jesus says. They weren't really alive. The Christians in Sardis had a name for being alive because they once were. In the early days, perhaps when the church had just started in the first two or three years, maybe, maybe they saw conversions, maybe... They just saw people everywhere uh, responding to Jesus, who they were preaching and proclaiming and telling people about. Maybe, maybe half of their church were families. Maybe they just kept seeing families coming to know who Jesus really was. And it doesn't look like anything's changed from those early days. You know, a couple of decades on, it didn't look like anything's different. They, they do the same things. They've got the same programs. They have the same groups. There's still lots of families in the church. They're consistent, or at least they look consistent, but in reality, Jesus says, all they had was their reputation. And clearly that isn't good enough. A few weeks ago, we looked at the letter that Jesus wrote to the church in a place called Smyrna. And he said that although the church on the outside looked poor, 
And it looked dead. There was kind of death everywhere in this town. In reality, Jesus says, in Jesus they were rich and they had great life because of Jesus. And then in Sardis, a few letters later, on the outside they look alive. On the outside they look brilliant, but inside they're dead. And it's not because they've, they've somehow caved under great persecution. The other letters that we've seen, typically Jesus will talk about the persecution, the, the kind of the anti-Christian, anti-gospel persecution that uh, those churches are facing. But there's none of that in this letter. They weren't dead because um, they had committed some gross sin. And we've seen that in other letters over these last few weeks. Actually, compared to the other churches in this part of Revelation, Sardis has by far the best reputation. I'd argue that actually Sardis is probably the best church on the list. But in reality, it's the worst. On the outside, they look great. But on the inside, Jesus says they're dead. They had a great reputation, but they'd left Jesus behind. That's the problem of the church in Sardis. They had a great reputation, but they'd left Jesus behind. They had become, or they were, Christians, but in name only. And it's so dangerous when churches measure their current significance based on past glories. Churches that measure their current significance based on past glories or past fruits. And that's exactly what the church in Sardis was about. Actually, that was what the whole of Sardis, the the, the city, was about. Because uh, the city of Sardis had, had in them a distant memory of being impressive. It was once an important city, a city of wealth, of influence, a city of security and safety. But twice in a couple of hundred years, it had been conquered at night, literally caught sleeping and invaded. And it was a problem of the city, but also a problem of the church. We're fine because we always have been. That was almost the church motto. We're fine because we always have been. And Christians who live like that, whether it's in Sardis or whether it's in the UK in the 21st century, churches like that are sleepwalking off the edge of a cliff because they've left Jesus behind. As a church that I know, um, it's nowhere near here, so don't kind of try and work out anything. I don't think any of you know the church I'm talking about, but the church uh, that I know, and it, and it started in kind of the early 80s, maybe 70s sometime. And when it started, it was incredible. It was started by people in their 20s, students, recent graduates, postgraduates, young families, it was people in their early, early to mid-20s. And they started this church, and it was incredible. They were in the community, reaching out, in a really hard time, 70s and 80s, hard time to be a Christian, and they were doing great. And you look at the church now, kind of what, 30 years later, and all the people that were in their 20s are now in their 50s, and, and in a sense, nothing's changed. They're doing the same things that they always were, except, except there's no real excitement anymore. They were urgent, but now they're not. They were, they were generally devoted to Jesus, but now, in some cases, you think, is Jesus really that big a deal for you anymore? It's quite scary. 
This church, I think, just like the church in Sardis, in Revelation chapter 3, their best days are behind them. They've, they've become complacent, spiritually complacent. And Jesus takes that incredibly seriously. And just read um, <clears throat> that, that beginning again of, of the letter. To the angel of the church in Sardis writes, So the words of him... That's Jesus, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Every letter that we've seen in this series begins with a description of Jesus taken from chapter one. And here, Jesus has chosen that description of himself, the one who has the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. And I think basically what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is the one who, has, who, who, who gives the Holy Spirit. So the seven spirits of God or the, the sevenfold spirit of God, I think in the Bible is a picture, an image of the Holy Spirit who is the fullness of life, of spiritual life. Jesus is the one who gives him, gives the Holy Spirit, who gives life beyond the religious um, masks of reputation. But also Jesus is the one who holds the seven stars in his hand. The, the, the stars are the churches, are really the church leaders in this context. So Jesus holds each church in his hand. He's the one that gives life to his churches. Jesus has the authority, real authority, in and over every church. Their life, their real spiritual life is in his hands. And perhaps quite shockingly, Jesus closes churches as well as opens them. That's one thing which we see from here in chapter three. But I think from all of these letters in the series, Jesus closes as well as opens churches. Have a look at the end of verse three. He tells the people to wake up. And he says, if you will not wake up, I'll come like a thief and you won't know at what hour I will come against you. If there's, if there's one thing I hate about thieves, it's that, um, well, you don't know they're coming. They've never once uh, got in touch and booked a date in the diary, which I think is quite selfish um, and just a little bit rude at the very least. But that's kind of an obvious thing to say. Thieves just do that. They just turn up, don't they? Thieves will come in the night when you're asleep and they'll be suddenly inside the house and you had no idea... And, and it's too late because they're, they're there. Maybe they kind of come and go even before you realise that anyone else has been there. Jesus tells complacent Christians in Sardis, he tells them to wake up. Or he will come and it will be too late. And actually we're not immune to this, even us in Trinity. As a church, we're three years, well, three and a half years old. And I think, uh, I speak for us, that, that there's still excitement about being quite new, about being quite a new and young church. We're still excited. We're still discovering together what it means to, to serve the community. We're, we're kind of still working out what it looks like to love each other as a response to God's love for us. And that's quite exciting and we still feel quite new and you know, there's still blank sheets of paper where we're trying to work things out and there's mistakes and that's fine. But it's still quite exciting, isn't it, to, to be three years old, three and a half years old and to be on this journey together as a new church, as a young church. But what about in five years' time? Or 10 years? Or 20? 
Will we have left Jesus behind by then? So 20 years time is 2037. I don't really want to think too long about how old I'm going to be in 2037. It feels a long time away. But leaving Jesus behind could start in 2017. If in 20 years time this church has left Jesus behind, it won't have been started in that year. It would be starting around now. Because churches don't suddenly appear at the edge of a cliff. This church in Sardis, over decades, years and years, had, had fallen asleep, content with their own reputation. Content to focus on what they had done in the past that went well. I'm sure they were thankful for what went well. But that's what they were focused on. They just wanted to keep their reputation. And so with that as their focus, they just were sleepwalking slowly, step by step by step, closer and closer until they get to the edge of the cliff. And that could be us. If us as a church, as Trinity, if we cherish our reputation more than our relationship with God, that will be us. If we leave Jesus behind and if we replace him with, essentially just with activity, just trying to do what we've always done, but really we've left Jesus behind. We're just trying to maintain a positive reputation. I hope we do have a good reputation in Chippenham. We want that. We're praying for that. But imagine what it'd be like if that was just our focus in the years to come. We just want a good reputation in Chippenham. We're just going to leave Jesus behind. Trinity could be a church that looks alive and everyone thinks is amazing, but actually inside is a church that's dead. Now, I don't think we are. So don't be too nervous just yet. I don't think we are like that. But this letter to Sardis is a warning even to us. We could be. Maybe not in 2017, maybe not even in 2018, but in 2022, 2037. If we focus just on our reputation as a church and if we leave Jesus behind, we're going to look amazing. But really inside we're dead. Complacency would kill this church because complacency leaves Jesus behind. And that's true of us corporately as a family as a community of believers, as Trinity Chippenham. But also, it's true, it could be true for, for me, for, for you individually. This complacency could, can creep into your lives as an individual because, because I think the Christian life, it's, it's quite easy for the Christian life to become a show. Do you know what I mean by that? The, the, the routines of being a Christian or kind of doing what a Christian does, those kind of routines, they're quite easy to perform as long as you're just performing it on a Sunday when everyone else can see you. All you need when you walk through the door, when you get out of your car, all you need to put on the show is a mask and a script. And once you've been in a church for more than a few weeks' time, you'll learn the script And you'll learn the mask. It's pretty simple. And in some senses, we all do it. As soon as we leave the car, okay, put the mask on. I know what I've got to say. Yeah, I'm fine. 
Yeah, I'm fine. Really thankful. Great. I'm, do- I'm doing good. Maybe as you're leaving the car, you think, well, I don't really need to engage in church today. Um, I, I used to do that. I used to really enjoy coming and I used to enjoy the sermons. I used to enjoy the singing. I used to, I used to really engage in church and in life group and things. But you know, this week's just been a, bit, a, little, a little bit hard. So I'll just, you know, I'll take a step back. Obviously, I'm still going to sing loudly and, and uh, you know, I'll still smile when people ask me how I'm doing. But, you know, I just have a few weeks off. I don't really need to take this stuff too seriously, do I? Just, just for a little while, you know, I'll dip in and I'll dip out. Um, I, I don't need to take things too seriously at the moment. I've got years of this being a Christian thing to actually change for this area. I'll just, do you know what? I'll, I'll just put that area to one side for now. And I just, I don't know. I'll keep coming to church. I'm not going to miss a meeting. That's against the script. But I'll come and, you know, I'll change another time. Wake up, that's what Jesus says. Wake up. It's really tempting, especially when we're talking about this, it's really tempting to hit the snooze button and roll over. Just, yeah, just five more minutes. Just another week. I'll wake up as soon as my life is in order. As soon as this happens, or as soon as I'm in this place, as soon as this, or as soon as I get this, whatever it is, well, then I'll wake up and I can take things seriously again. And Jesus says, no, no, just, just wake up. See, this part of Revelation is for us today. And I think Jesus is saying to you, and he's saying to me, basically, look, stop measuring your significance on past glories. You don't have to have been a Christian for very long to have sort of past glories, to have, you know, good times as a Christian. And it can take pretty quick to just be trusting a few weeks ago or a few months ago or just be trusting last year, last year's glory, maybe even 10 years ago, depending on how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't take long, but it's little steps, measuring significance on past glories. Stop using social media to, 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 to put on the show stop coming to church putting on a show stop leaving Jesus behind whatever your situation whatever it is that's going through your mind at the moment that's making your heart beat a little bit too fast stop leaving Jesus behind waking up is risky and waking up is hard but Jesus the Jesus is pleading with you, wake up before you die. Wake up. Let me say one thing just before we go back to the letter, just to the end of the letter. Um, Just for some of you, because I hope some of you are kind of feeling a little bit, ooh, this is a little bit, you know, a little bit touchy. Didn't come to church today to be a little bit kind of pushed. I hope you are feeling a little bit pushed, a little bit challenged. Um, but I don't want you kind of freaking out completely. Deadness, this deadness that, that we see in this part of the letter, deadness is not dryness. So if you're freaking out, deadness is not dryness. Dryness as a Christian is very, very common. Very common indeed. And basically it's the experience of feeling cold 
toward Jesus. That you, you kind of feel some kind of disconnection from Jesus. And maybe you felt it for a while. Maybe it's just been a week. Maybe it's been for a few months. Maybe it's been for even longer. But you're here this afternoon. And you're like, do you know what, I, do you know what Lord? Yeah, I, I do feel distant from you. I do feel like I've been coasting, like I've been a little bit complacent. Dryness is that experience, but dryness means that you're bothered by it. So if that kind of thing describes you, if, if you're feeling that, that, that feeling of coldness towards Jesus, but you're bothered about it, then you're feeling dry as a Christian. And the answer is, well, we'll see it in a little bit. But there is an answer to that kind of dryness. But dryness is not deadness. Deadness is feeling that same experience, having that same experience, but your reaction is, all right, whatever. I'll be fine, you know, it's 2017. 2016 was a good year. 2017, that's just gonna be one of those years. 2018 will be better. What, 2019 will be better. Deadness is just, yeah, okay, whatever. Doesn't really matter. Dryness is, oh, I'm bothered by that. Do you see the difference? That's a really important difference to understand. Deadness is not dryness. And I, I think maybe it will be helpful. We, we can chat through more about that in our life groups coming this week. So if you're in a life group, make sure you're there. But Jesus says, particularly to, if, if that's you, if you're feeling that dryness, that, yeah, I, do you know, I, I have been complacent, I have been coasting, but it's bothering you. Jesus says in this letter that it's not too late yet. If you're not bothered by feeling that, then you're not really listening to me anyway. So, you know, carry on not listening. But um, if you are listening to Jesus, then it's not too late. Jesus says, look, wake up. But what does that waking up look like? Have a look at verse three. So Jesus in verse two, he says, wake up. And then he says, verse three, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. That's what waking up looks like. If you're bothered by what we've seen, that's what waking up looks like. Remember. Remember the gospel. Remember that Jesus, the Jesus, is for you. Today. The Jesus is for you. Today. Remember that. And repent. Repent just means turning. Remember that Jesus is for you and turn to him in your coldness, in your dryness, in your weakness, in your complacency, in your coasting, in your excuses, in your, well, there's always tomorrow. Remember that he's for you now, today, this afternoon, and turn back to him. Seriously, stop focusing on your reputation We've all got reputations and that's, you know, that's fine. But isn't it true? Some of you are still thinking about that um, opening illustration of sitting in the car hearing about it. Some of you are still thinking about that because you want your reputation to be good. And we focus so much on our reputation. Stop it. Stop focusing on your reputation and wake up. Stop focusing on your past achievements and instead... Go back to Jesus. Go back to him because his love will never let you go. When your reputation, 
Maybe it's your church reputation. Maybe it's your reputation within your family. Maybe it's your reputation in your workplace. Maybe it's your reputation on your streets. Maybe it's your reputation in your sports teams or, or your kind of with the mums and dads dropping their kids off at the school. Whatever, wherever your reputation kind of grows, in that situation, remember that Jesus is for you today and his love will never let you go. So drop your reputation Stop leaving Jesus behind and turn back to him. And if you wake up like that, what's going to happen? Well, one day you will walk in white. Actually, the moment you do that, you will begin to walk in white today with Jesus and you'll be certain of your future. Verse four, Jesus says, yet you still have a few names inside as people who've not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. There are still people, even in Sardis, that church that looks good but is dead. There's even some people there who are struggling but still walking with Jesus. And they will walk with Jesus in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers, which is a phrase that just means the one, who, the one who's kind of waking up, like Jesus has described. The one who conquers will be clothed also thus in white garments, and I will never blot their name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. You will walk in white. White garments in the Bible are priestly. They're, they're for priests. They're for people who, who are in go-to and are in God's presence. Those who are clean. Those who are worthy. And that's you. Get that. That's you. You are clothed in white. You are worthy in Jesus. Your reputation is safe in Jesus. Okay, you might not be cool or funny or rich or whatever. But your name is in the book of life. Real life. The real book of real life. Your name is written in permanent marker pen and no one will rub that out. Your future is completely safe. Jesus on the cross declared his love for you, for everyone to see. And he says, his words, he says in verse five that he will declare his love for you personally again in front of all of heaven. Can you imagine the size of that crowd? Imagine how long that crowd is going to be knowing that Jesus loves you. But it's not just that Jesus loves you, the Father loves you too. Jesus will declare his love for you in front of the Father and of the angels. And the Father loves you too. And so, really, who cares about your reputation? Maybe you've got a good reputation in your street. <clears throat> Maybe you've got a bad reputation at work. You should probably work on that. But your reputation, your name, is in Jesus. It's in the book of life. You are completely safe because Jesus' love will never let you go. So forget your reputation on earth. Remember that his, he loves you and repent. Look to him. And verse six, that last verse, 
basically says, have you been paying attention? Basically asks the question, have you been listening? So have you? Have you been listening to Jesus in his letter to the Christians in Sardis? Have you been listening to his letter to the Christians in Trinity Chippenham? Have you been sleepy this week or this month or this decade? Maybe you have. I, I dare say there have been people here who have been sleepy maybe for a long time. Have you been, have you been wearing a mask covering that sleepiness? Have you been focused on making a name for yourself, completely focused on making a name for yourself in whatever context you find yourself in? Jesus says to you, wake up. Wake up. He offers you a better name. A better name than the one that you hear people talking about in the car park. A better name that you get on your work appraisals. A better name even than you get on cards that people send to you on your birthday. Jesus offers you a better name. He offers you a heavenly reputation. A reputation that will last for all eternity. And that reputation is that he loves you. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for these words of your son, Jesus, and we, well, I guess we, uh, some of us want to admit to you that these words are, have been hard and, 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 and piercing to our hearts, but we thank you for them because in them there is, there is a hope, there's an invitation to, to wake up. I pray, Father, that, that all of us here um, if we have been Christians for a long time, Christians for just a short time, maybe even there are people here who, who aren't Christians, um, I pray that each of us, whatever our spiritual situation, would wake up and will turn to, to Jesus. Uh, we thank you that he loves us. We thank you that he's given his life for us. And we are sorry for when we leave him behind. But I pray, Father, that we would be people, individuals, and I pray that we'd be a church um, that is not focused on our reputation, but it's focused on you. Amen.